Hello and welcome into another Tuesday night, a little earlier uh, than usual. Season's over. We're going to try and move this up. I uh, haven't set on a set time yet, but we'll probably aim for maybe seven, maybe six, depending on uh, essentially how, th- how people, how many people watch this. But uh, it is 6.30 on a Tuesday night, tuning in to Connor and Coverage. My name is Connor Riley, here for Dog Nation, talking the latest in Georgia news, notes. I know we talked last Thursday. There's been a ton of change since then with this Georgia roster, and we're going to really try and hunker down and explain all that has sort of happened, where the numbers are, what still has to come, because while we've seen a, a number of, of players leave Athens, I think over now 20 uh, combined transfer portal and NFL draft declarations, there's still quite a bit more work to be done as far as what the transfer portal looks like, what this final roster looks like when Georgia opens the season against Oregon on September 3rd in Atlanta. So, We'll sort of get into all that. Obviously, take your questions tonight. It's not going to be quite a full 45 minutes, but we'll try to get to as many questions as we can. I'm sure there are a lot of them out there regarding what Stetson Bennett is going to do, who's on the roster, what the numbers are at, where things need to be with regards to that. When do they need to be there? So we'll sort of update all that and provide you updates on where things stand. And again, answer the questions to the best of our abilities. We're we're never going to get a full concrete 85-man scholarship roster from Kirby Smart, but we're going to do our best to sort of patch it together and sort of have a good idea of where things stand with this Georgia roster at this point in time. And so first up, our sort of main topic tonight, something I want to get into, something that's going to be on dognation.com tomorrow morning and sort of discussing the the transfer portal and and what it means. You know, right now Georgia has seen six players enter the transfer portal. That number is going to go up. Actually, I believe it's officially it is six. If you count JT Daniels, who as Mike Griffith reported for dog nation yesterday, is expected to enter the transfer portal. That number is going to get to seven. That number is going to need to get even higher, possibly as high as, say, 15 players from this roster entering the transfer portal for Georgia to sort of get to where its numbers need to be. But I want to take a quick second, and we can even use last year's transfer portal players as an example of this to demonstrate just how much talent there is on this Georgia roster and maybe why if a player does enter the transfer portal – there shouldn't be some fret or some freak out uh, about what it means or how it impacts Georgia this coming year. So right now there have been six players to officially enter the transfer portal. You have Jalen Kimber, Justin Robinson, Amir Speed, Lavoisier Carroll, Latavius Brini, and Jalen Johnson. Three of those guys already have homes. That would be Jalen Kimber, who is going to Florida. That is Justin Robinson, who is going to Mississippi State. And that is Amir Speed, who announced today that he would be playing at Michigan State for his final year of college eligibility. And obviously, those other three guys are going to find homes and probably pretty good homes And uh, when Georgia has more players out of the transfer portal, which is going to happen. That's something that we're going to ultimately see and be the case. Look at where these guys end up. And we'll even use the first three guys that have already found homes. Jalen Kimber, Justin Robinson, and Amir Speed. Jalen Kimber is going to Florida. And and I can tell you, Jalen Kimber is good enough to play at Georgia. And he is certainly, I think, going to be a big impact player at Florida next year. This is not necessarily a player that Georgia wanted to lose. But with what Georgia was bringing in in terms of defensive back play, I think the growth that we saw this year from Kamari Lasseter was not necessarily a slam dunk that we were going to see Jalen Kimber, who's coming off a shoulder injury, was going to have an easy path to playing time or a clear path to playing time opposite Keely Ringo. Whereas I think if you look at Florida, a a team that is in a big period of transition, a a power five program, he's going to go work with Corey Raymond, a long regarded DBU expert in his time at LSU. You can understand why he'd end up there. And it shows again that 
he's a really a clearly talented player. Florida wants talented players now under Billy Napier. He ends up at Florida. You have Justin Robinson, a receiver who wasn't getting a lot of playing time at Georgia, was sort of buried on the depth chart. He'd been passed up by guys like Lad McConkey, AD Mitchell were, were receiving more targets than him. He enters the transfer portal. He's going to go play at Mississippi State, another SEC school, a place where he's going to get a lot of targets and probably be a pretty productive player for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And I would point out that Kimber and Robinson are both on Georgia's schedule for next year. Georgia plays Mississippi State on November 12th in Starkville, and Georgia plays Florida. I believe October 29th next year is when the world's largest outdoor cocktail party takes place in, um, in Jacksonville down there. So you've got two guys who you're going to see on your schedule next year going to play for SEC foes. And those were guys who weren't going to necessarily play a whole lot next year. They may have played special teams roles, but it's not guaranteed that they were going to be every down contributors, or even potentially rotational contributors for this Georgia team. And then lastly, you look at a guy like Amir Speed, who is going back to play with Mel Tucker at Michigan State. There's some familiarity there. Uh, Mel Tucker recruited Amir Speed to Georgia when Tucker was a defensive backs coach and defensive coordinator at Georgia. And Michigan State won 11 games last year. They won a New Year's Six Bowl, beating Pitt in the Peach Bowl. That's a good program that, that Amir Speed is going to, and the expectation is that he's going to go in and play right away. Michigan State had an awful pass defense a season ago, and Amir Speed is going to shore that up. And looking at his time at Georgia, Speed was a valuable special teams player, and we know that Kirby Smart really values that. He, he had a chance to start earlier this year, ultimately gets passed up by Keeler Ringo, and I think by the end of the season, specifically in that game against Alabama, you saw why Ringo was on the field for Georgia that day. So you look at those three players, all going to Power 5 schools, two to an SEC, one to a New Year's Six uh, Bowl champion this year. None of those guys were really, uh, in my opinion, locks to be starters or guaranteed starters. They were at best rotational guys and maybe even worse than that. I know Georgia's losing a lot, but that right there just indicates how just fine Georgia is going to be going forward. Obviously, depth is once again a concern in the secondary, and if they take a whole lot of injuries next year, it's going to make things very difficult for Georgia. But at the same point in time, there's still a lot of talent in that room. Chris Smith is a darn good football player, and I think with another year can really work himself into being an NFL draft pick, and I'm not sure how many people said that. Obviously, everyone knows Keely Ringo's name by now with his play in the national championship game. You bring back William Poole, who I thought from the, from the strides he made from that first game against Alabama in the SEC championship game to the national championship game were about as big of an improvement as you, as you have seen from a player at that point in the year in quite some time. So he's coming back for another year. What do you see at a safety Tyke Smith, a guy who had a lost year with foot and ACL injuries, Kamari Lasseter, Nyland green. Do they take leaps as sophomores? Now, David Daniel, Dan Jackson are vying for that safety spot vacated by Lewis seen. The five freshman defensive backs that are coming in, Dalen Everett, Malachi Starks, Ja'Cory Thomas are your early enrollees. What impressions do they make in spring practice? How early do they push for playing time? And then you have Jaheim Singletary and Julian Humphrey coming in over the summer. There's talent there in that defensive backfield. And so as long as it stays healthy, and that's a big if, and it didn't exactly have that happen this past year, the secondary is going to be in a good spot from a talent a talent standpoint, so much so that with Smith and Poole coming back, I think you might be a little less likely to dip into the transfer portal yourselves and go out and get a talented player. And sort of wrapping up our first topic here tonight on what the transfer portal says about the state of Georgia's current roster, look back to last year where you have Jermaine Johnson transfer and end up at Florida State. You have Tyreek Stevenson end up at Miami. You have Major Burns go to LSU. You have Demetrius Robertson 
go to Auburn. Those are guys that over the course of the season at Georgia probably would have been contributors. I know those first three guys were guys Georgia wanted on this defense and at times this year would have been starting for this team. And Demetrius Robertson, with how banged up Georgia got at the wide receiver position this year, likely would have been doing the same for Georgia. Robertson is one of the leading, if not the leading wide receiver for Auburn. You have Tyreek Stevenson becoming Miami's best defensive player, at least the most consistent. Major Burns was starting at safety for LSU prior to going down with an injury, and you can bet if he was at Georgia, he would have helped out that safety safety position quite a bit there with the depth in the back end. And then Jermaine Johnson goes to the ACC and is the best defensive player in the conference. Georgia lost all that last season, and they still had a generational defense that once in every 10 years just dominates the sport. An offense average just under 40 points a game, ranked top 10 in the score in the nation in scoring offense, and win a national championship. Uh, the transfer portal, this is the reality of college football these days, and especially at these big blue blood programs, you're probably going to lose anywhere from 10 to 15 players over the course of an offseason, just given the cyclical nature of it, and also programs like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, wanting to have as close to that 85-man roster limit as they possibly can, and Sometimes you're going to lose guys that the coaching staff doesn't necessarily want to see go. You think Tyreek Stevenson a year ago, I would already say Jalen Kimber counts among that this year. Having said that, and while they're going to be very good players for their teams next year, Georgia is going to be just fine with what they have there. So that's our first topic, sort of talking about the transfer portal, what it says about the current state of Georgia's roster and what it means going forward, which I think dovetails nicely into our second topic here tonight, where things stand with the 85-man roster count. About 15 minutes, 20 minutes before we went on here tonight, John Fitzpatrick announces that he is heading to the NFL draft. Uh, he's a player who's graduated, a fourth-year junior, signed with that 2018 class. I think looking at the depth chart a little bit, knowing you're bringing back Brock Bowers, knowing you're potentially bringing back Darnell Washington, catches are going to be hard to come by. And you can look at a guy like, a, say, a Charlie Warner, who similarly – didn't have a ton of production in college, but has found a home with the San Francisco 49ers and emerged as a versatile weapon for them in their offense. With Fitzpatrick off to the NFL, it brings Georgia's scholarship count down to 90. And now that is including 2022 signees in there. As my count has it right now, there are six unsigned players who are not enroll- early enrollees. Those six are Cole Spear, Drew Bobo, Jaheim Singletary, Julian Humphrey, Spear, Bobo, Branson Robinson, and I'm trying to remember the last one, and it's escaping me at this moment. Uh, Humphrey, Singletary, Robinson, Bobo, Spear. This is embarrassing that I can't remember this, but... So the expectation there, they have 18 early enrollees for Georgia. We'll, we'll try and figure out. Actually, I can just pull it up in my separate tab right here. Um, Darius Smith. That, uh, no, Darius Smith is unsigned. Marvin Jones Jr., uh, Georgia's five-star pass rusher. Great guy to forget there, Connor. Uh, is not an early enrollee. But you have 18 members of the 27-man class right now enrolled in the program. You have three guys who are unsigned prospects. Dylan Bell, who re-upped today that he will be signing with Georgia on uh, February 2nd, he had coaches down there at his high school in the Houston area earlier today. Jordan James is unsigned, four-star running back. And Darius Smith, four-star outside linebacker, is also unsigned. So you add those guys in, it puts you at 93 scholarships. That also doesn't include a guy like Christian Miller, 
a four-star defensive tackle who is a major target for Georgia. So let's let's have fun here. Let's say Georgia lands Christian Miller. That puts you right now, as it stands, at 94 scholarship players. That number needs to get to 85. And I would also add into that, we've sort of been working under the assumption that super seniors, guys like, say, Robert Beal, who announced he was coming back today, William Poole, Stetson Bennett in the event that he formally announces that he is coming back, which is what I expect to happen. And we'll touch on Stetson and where things stand with him a little bit later in the show tonight. Those guys are expected to count against the 85-man cap in a way that last year Julian Rochester, Devontae Wyatt, and Justin Schaefer did not. So that makes the calculus there a little bit more difficult for Georgia in terms of what the number cut down ultimately looks like. But as it stands right now, Georgia is under 85 scholarships for this portion uh, of the offseason. They are good to go there, especially with initial counters and the way that those all work. But they've still got, as I just laid out there, let's say they land Christian Miller, they've got at least nine more guys that are going to have to transfer portal out uh, and find homes elsewhere if Georgia's to get under their 85. And that doesn't also include the fact that Georgia could look to add at specific positions. I mentioned earlier, I think outside linebacker is no longer the need that it was with Robert Beal and Nolan Smith coming back for another season. Uh, Smith announcing so on Monday, Beal doing so today. Uh, Chris Smith and William Poole and Tyke Smith as well. All three of those guys announcing they're coming back. I think lessens the need you have at safety. You have Dan Jackson back for another year. You have David Daniel. I think of those sort of four, five guys you listed there, you have your two safeties and your star. And we'll see what happens. Javon Bullard is an interesting name to monitor as he continues to develop a guy that played early this year for Georgia. And then you have Ja'Cory Thomas and Malachi Starks, guys who enrolled early for Georgia and will push for playing time this spring. So, that back end of the secondary, you sort of your your safeties and your star positions, you sort of get you better set there at a depth standpoint than maybe perhaps you would have thought of, say even a week ago when you saw Speed, Latavius Brini, Jalen Kimber, Lavoisier Carroll all enter the transfer portal for you there, along with Darian Kendrick going off to the NFL and Lewis Seen as well. So transfer portal need maybe a wide receiver if like a true alpha wide receiver, a go-to wide receiver becomes available. I, I think that's really the transfer portal need as it stands right now. We're just going to go through spring practice only with three running backs, but uh, we're acting under the assumption that Branson Robinson is obviously already signed and a member of this team. We're acting under the assumption right now Jordan James signs with them as well. That's going to get them to five running backs, not the need there. Quarterback, they're already sort of overflowing. Once JT Daniels goes into the transfer portal, they're going to be down to four scholarship quarterbacks. And even I think there, you, you feel really good in, in the event that one more enters a transfer portal, which I expect to be the case. It could potentially be Stetson Bennett. It could be Carson Beck. Whoever that ultimately ends up being, I think Georgia's probably going to end all this at three scholarship quarterbacks. And I feel very strongly that Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton are definitely locks to be two of those guys. So you think wide receivers really, to me, the only position where you could potentially go out and add a player at the transfer portal. I imagine we're going to see some of the older offensive linemen potentially hit the transfer portal names like Owen Condon, Clay Webb. And I'm not saying these guys are gone, but those are the types of names to sort of speak of and think of as far as how Georgia is going to go about getting down to that 85 man roster limit. And, it's a crunch, but also at the same point in time, Kirby Smart isn't really worried about this. They know how to get down to 85. It's not going to be an issue for this program. It is just more at this point in time, something to keep up with and follow along with as far as how things are navigated and where they go from here. So that's a quick little 85-man update. We'll cut it short there tonight uh, and open it up on, on Stetson Bennett. All eyes are on him uh, with Robert Beal making his announcement, Nolan Smith doing so on Monday. The only sort of big name we're still waiting on that 
you know, could potentially come back, could potentially decide to hang it up, is Stetson Bennett. He is a national championship winning quarterback, 29 touchdowns this past season, seven interceptions, added a little bit in the run game as well for Georgia. I think his mobility was a big differentiator and why he ended up playing over JT Daniels. And obviously we mentioned at the top of the show tonight, Mike Griffith mentioning and reporting that Daniels is expected to answer the transfer portal. Stetson's got a decision to make. And from my understanding and from what Stetson wants to do, Stetson wants to play football despite putting up with all that he has put up with in his time at Georgia Walking on, going to Jones County, coming back, starting 2020 as a fourth uh, fourth string quarterback, you know, being a third string quarterback, and at least in perception at the start of this season, you know, some of the the flack he took after the Alabama game, some of it was fair, some of it uh, a little over the line, but all that he has to deal with, it's offset by the fact that he very clearly still wants to play football and would love to do so at the University of Georgia, and ultimately, right now, I think that's what he's going to end up doing spinning that ahead and what it means for the Georgia quarterback situation. And, you know, I don't know if he gets the assurance that say JT Daniels got last year from Kirby smart that yes, that's our guy. He's our quarterback. And I actually think one of the more seminal moments in terms of looking back on this past season is after the Florida game, you know, we got a chance to talk to Nolan Smith in that game or after that game. And, and Setson did not play well against Florida it was intercepted twice it was 3 nothing there with about three minutes to go before halftime before Georgia just hit the afterburners and blew Florida away. And Nolan Smith didn't have to do this, but he, he made it pretty clear. Stetson Bennett was their guy. He is their quarterback. He is the guy they are playing for. And JT Daniels, by all accounts, was available to play that day. And from that day forward, the writing was very clearly on the wall. This is Stetson Bennett's team. And Stetson, to his credit, was phenomenal in the playoffs. Obviously a little bit nervy there in the first part of the national championship game, but in those two playoff games, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, obviously he had the fumble. I will mention that there, but was flawless against Michigan. And when Georgia needed him to be late there in the fourth quarter against Alabama, who was absolutely nails four for four, 80 yards passing two touchdowns to end the game there for Georgia there. So what Bennett decides to do, I think Georgia really wants Brock Vandergriff to push him and potentially even overtake him as a starting quarterback. I think Vandergriff has the highest upside of any quarterback on Georgia's roster, and I include Gunnar Stockton in there. Uh, he has the athleticism that Stetson possesses. I think in even greater space. He's got, I think, a more talented arm, but he's got to learn this offense. And when I say learn this offense, I mean get adjusted to the live reps that come with being the number one quarterback. Cause even that's an adjustment. I think you saw with Carson Beck this year when he was thrust into playing time against UAB, this coaching staff spent all off season talking about how much they like Carson Beck, how much he had grown and the speed of the game, even against UAB and what was already a blowout really seemed to catch Beck off guard there that day. So how Brock Vandegrift adjusts that, how Gunnar Stockton comes in and pushes all those guys. It's going to be very interesting to watch the quarterback situation. You know, Georgia goes out and wins a national championship. Kirby Smart has that on his resume now. And yet the quarterback questions are still here. And this isn't so much Kirby's handling of it. I I think Stetson Bennett has clearly earned the right to come back for Georgia for another year and be the the starting quarterback. And if he continues to play well, I, I think that's going to continue to have him be the starter. I do think right now I would say Stetson Bennett is probably your week one starter against Oregon to open the 2022 season. But on the other side of this, you know, I do wonder how much better can Stetson get? You saw him make, I think, in my opinion, a big leap from year one to year two under Todd Munkin. And he was clearly, even the critics out there have to admit that Stetson Bennett was a better player this year than he was a season ago. And I'd point out here, 
most of the weapons that Stetson had for the majority of the year are going to be back next year. Yes, you lose James uh, George Pickens. James Cook and Zemir White are off to the NFL. I think those are two very valuable players for this offense. Jamari Sawyer's head of the NFL. Justin Schaefer's head of the NFL. Those guys are both multi-year starters for this program. But the core of this offense really is going to be back next year. You bring back Brock Bowers. You get Jermaine Burton, who I think is a difference maker and showed that late in the season. And if he's able to stay healthy, I think he's really going to have a big year. I think Arian Smith, similarly, is a guy who, if he's able to stay healthy, can be a difference maker on this Georgia offense. I like what I've seen out of Kenny McIntosh. I think Kendall Milton is poised for a bigger year next year, provided that he is able to stay healthy. I think this offensive line is really set up for success, even though you miss a guy like Jamari Sawyer and Justin Schaefer. I think Broderick Jones, you feel great about at left tackle, especially after what he came in and did against Alabama there in the national championship game. You have Tate Ratledge coming back from foot injury, a guy who probably had the best fall camp out of anyone out there, and it's unfortunate he breaks his foot in the first game of the season. Cedric Van Pran is back for a second year there. That other guard spot's going to be interesting. Is it Warren Erickson? Is it Xavier Truss? Is it maybe saying Amarius Mims if you're going to go super big there on the inside? And Warren McClendon's a darn good uh, right tackle. And, and you, you know, I, in my opinion, he's an all SEC type player, especially when it comes to pass protection. So while this defense loses a lot, this offense brings back a core of the players that made it really go this past season. Now, having said all that, the offense needs to take an even bigger step forward next year because this defense, as great as I think Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith and Jermon Domus Johnson are going to be going forward, at the same point in time, you need this offense, especially early on in the season, not to carry this defense, not to carry the defense or carry the team, but you need them to be the focal point of this team, the the, the unit that people are raving about. So not necessarily in the way that they raved about Georgia's defense this year. But I think you need the offense to sort of carry the team early in the season while this defense gets up to speed. And they'll have the schedule to do so. They play Oregon. They go to Samford. I think those are both wins. Obviously, Samford is a win. It's an FCS school. But Oregon, so much in transition there. And I thought they really underachieved this year. How much of that was on the sort of swirling drama around Mario Cristobal? I'm not sure. Um, but to get if you're going to get an Oregon program over the next five years, I think this is the year to do it with Dan Lanning sort of making the transition there. They're going to see out a quarterback they've played before in Bo Nix. I think that's a good time to get them there. Uh, their end of the season schedule is actually a little trickier than you might realize. Mississippi State at Mississippi State at Kentucky to end the season in SEC play. That's a that that's not a, an easy stretch there for Georgia to finish things out. So by the end of the season, you're going to need this offense and this defense really clicking. And I think the big question with Stetson, obviously he wants to play. He's made that clear. I, I, I do not think Stetson Bennett has played his last down of college football. I think the big question going forward is, is that at Georgia or where is that possibly elsewhere? He's a national championship winning quarterback and a guy who, as we've heard Kirby Smart say often, with that experience, you get better and better. And I think Stetson clearly did this season. And if he gets better and better next year, it's going to be hard to unseat him. So we'll see how that goes. And we'll see, you know, what him entering spring, at least as quarterback one on the depth chart, even if it's not written in pen, it's going to do for his confidence going forward. So I think that's important to keep in mind there. But as of right now, what, seven, seven o'clock on a Tuesday night here in January, I expect Setson Bennett to be Georgia's starting quarterback at the start of spring practice. I expect him to stay on the roster. I expect him to be Georgia's starting quarterback to open the season against Oregon. And with that, I will walk right into the lion's den. That is the comment section. We'll open it up. We'll answer any questions. I'm sure you guys have some. I'll start with some nuggets. Uh, We obviously saw Arik Gilbert at the parade on Saturday. I think that's a good sign. You want to see him 
make those steps to, to becoming a contributing member on this team. He has been enrolled in school at all this time. And if he is able to get on the field and get healthy, that adds another weapon to the Georgia offense. My understanding on the Adam Anderson situation, first of all, obviously it has to play out in the legal system at this point in time. But to my understanding, he is still on the Georgia roster and counts as a scholarship until his sort of court hearing, court proceedings rather, are taken care of there. So a little update on Arik Gilbert and um, and Adam Anderson. Both those guys are on the roster at this point in time, and I expect that to remain the case. Uh, let's see. Comments, questions. Uh, Chris McClendon, this is a really good point. Um, you know, I, George is going to take a step back with all the talent used. You don't lose a guy like N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis and just plug along and keep going. But the schedule, Georgia's going to be a favorite in every single game that they play next season, at least in the regular season. Uh, you know, when they play Alabama, they'll probably be an underdog. Uh, but I think that speaks to just the absurd amount of talent that that Alabama team is going to have. Um, but against Oregon, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Missouri, Auburn, all those opponents are going to be underdogs against Georgia. Georgia, you know, even expecting to take a step back. It's not unrealistic to, for them to be 12 and 0 going in the SEC championship game once again. And, and if they're a 12 and 1 team and the rest of the college football playoff shakes out the way that it does, I could very easily see a world where Georgia's 12 and 1 again at the end of the season and having a very legitimate playoff case. And so if that's a down year, a reloading year, a rebuilding year, uh, whatever you want to call it for Georgia, which I think next year is going to be with all the sort of transition you know, you live with that. But at the same point in time, this is one of the things that I'm going to be interested in seeing the development of Brock Vandergriff because I do think he is the guy that needs to be the quarterback for Georgia. At some point, uh, you need to see what you have in him. He's a five-star player. You want to see him develop and become the guy that you sort of have there. At 2023, you know, CJ Stroud's probably not at Ohio State. Bryce Young's probably not at Alabama. Now, Alabama's still going to be darn good uh, as, you know, the number one overall class of all time at that point will be juniors at the University of Alabama in reference to the 2021 signing class they had. But there's going to be a window again in 20, 2023 where if this Georgia team is positioned well, I think it's got a really good chance to sort of have the season it had this year where Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson are all replacing first-round picks at quarterback. And I think Alabama and Ohio State are going to do so again. You saw – Alabama at least hold steady at the quarterback position and maybe even improve a little bit there with Bryce Young, but they lost so much off that title team last year. And it was tough to reload. And this was not the same caliber of Alabama team that we had seen in 2020 Ohio state. I would, you know, CJ starts probably a little bit of a lesser player than Justin field was the season ago, but because of everything else they lost, they take a step back and miss the playoffs. DJ Uyunglele is just not the guy that we thought he is. Clemson just a non-factor in the, in the season after the month of October. So Georgia's going to be positioned, I think, in the 2023 season to really prime back up and be a national title contender, as, assuming Brock Vandergrift continues to develop. But even in 2022, Georgia's going to be a playoff threat. And that is a, a testament to what Kirby Smart has built here at the University of Georgia. Uh, yeah, Shannon Sipsey, I think this is a good point, and It's one that I made earlier tonight. Uh, Georgia's going to need to win on all. They're going to need to win games next year, like 38-24 more so than 31-10, like they won this season. They're going to have to score a little bit more. Now, at times, this Georgia offense looks certainly potent, and they were a top-10 scoring offense, and you return, I think, a bunch of the playmakers that helped that offense go during the course of the regular season. But, you know, Kirby Smart talks all the time about hidden yardage. 
I believe Georgia had the shortest distance to go in the country on average in terms of touchdown drives. And that goes to show just how dominant this defense was. And so if you're having to drive a little farther, maybe that means more drives end in field goals, more drives potentially end in punts. This to the point though, that Shannon is largely making, I agree with you're going to need your offense at the very least early on in the year to, to win you football games in, in that style and manner. And I think, I think this offense can do it. It just has to actually go out there and do it. It never, it never really had to go out and not score anyone in a four-quarter game. Now, against Alabama, it executed extremely well down the stretch, scoring touchdowns on its last two drives there. And even against Clemson, when they needed to salt the game the way at, there at the end, they were able to do so against a very good defense at that point in time. So I do think that this offense has shown flashes of being able to do what it absolutely needed to do it. And we'll see if it's able to do that next year without the great defense that they have though i georgia's defense is still going to be phenomenal next year jalen carter is going to be a stud i think nolan smith can have a really impact year i think shmel munden jamon dumas johnson and Xavier sorry are going to be very very good players for georgia they might not reach the levels that nicobe dean quay walker and channing tyndall did but i certainly think they've got the potential to get there uh nathan dunlap that's going to be interesting uh you know because georgia has brock vandegriff and because and i will say because i've seen people brock's going to transfer brock vandegriff is not transferring this season uh he, he knows that even if stetson is the starting quarterback stetson's only here for one season uh i, I think brock vandegriff feels very comfortable with where he is at and i again and i've been as big of a believer as anybody i think brock vandegriff is going to be a star i think he can absolutely be that at the university of georgia but because georgia is positioned so well with Brock Vandergriff, with Gunnar Stockton, they don't need to hit a home run in the 2023 recruiting cycle when it comes to quarterback. And yet here they are still swinging for the fences, going for Arch Manning, which makes sense and runs in line with Kirby Smart's recruiting philosophy in terms of you know, stacking talent at every position year after year after year. And so I, I think Buster Faulkner is a really key name to monitor and know in this. He, he appears to have a very strong relationship with the Manning family, has ties to the state of Mississippi, given his time there as Southern Miss. Uh, I think the longer that he is employed at Georgia, maybe if he even gets bumped up to the quarterback coach role, I think that's going to be something very interesting to follow there. But Georgia, I think you can very clearly say is in it for Arch Manning and would not surprise me if that is where Arch ultimately ends up. It speaks to what Georgia is building because as I've made it clear here. I think the world of Brock Vandergriff, but if you can go out and get an Arch Manning for your quarterback room, I think you go do it. And that's what Kirby Smart is going to do. Uh, Randy Hall, no, Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones is going to be your starting left tackle next year. And I thought he was really good. And especially the most impressive thing to me about Broderick in that national championship game was the impact he had on the running game because the sort of book on Broderick to this point has been, yeah, he's really capable as a pass blocker, but is he willing to get his nose dirty? Is he the sort of physical player you need him to be in the running game? to be an an impact player at that offensive tackle position. To me, he answered a lot of those questions against Alabama in the national championship game. And so Broderick is going to be your, your starting left tackle next season. But I actually, to your larger point there, Randy, I do think Mims is probably going to be the guy that is your, um, that is maybe a guy who moves to the inside and is potentially your, your, your tackle there. Um, so let me just see. God, gosh, dang it. I just realized we weren't on YouTube. Uh, that has been fixed, and I'll have to upload the show later. Um, okay. I would explain the comment section. Um, Daniel, Day John- Daniel J. Donaldson. Uh, Brett Thorson, in my opinion, is probably going to have the inside track to being the new punter. Georgia signed him in the 2021 
2022 rather recruiting class. He is from Australia down under shrimp on the Bobby, the whole thing. He's 21 years old. I think Georgia likes what they have in him. He is one of the top punters in the, in this recruiting class, a little bit more mature than your average, you know, uh, 18 year old coming in and we're going to see how he punts there. And, and I think that's going to be interesting and worth following going forward. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brandon Alvin. I'd be surprised if Heinz Ward is coaching wide receivers at Georgia next year. I, I know he's obviously very popular as is Terrence Edwards for the work that he has done, especially with developing guys, even specifically on Georgia's roster. You think Dominic Blaylock, Jermaine Burton, Eric Gilbert, those are guys that have all worked with Terrence Edwards before with Hines. And yes, he's done the dirty work. So he's doing the dirty work so far. Spent two years as a Jets interim or uh, Jets coaching assistant. Spent this last year as the wide receivers coach at Florida Atlantic. Having said all that, if you remove his name from, and obviously his name matters in this situation, but if I told you Georgia was hiring a wide receivers coach who had spent one year coaching in college and that was at Florida Atlantic, you're probably not feeling all that great about it. Now, Heinz Ward's name is, I think, part of the reason why he interviewed to be the head coach for the Houston Texans this past weekend as well. So we'll see. I do think it would not surprise me if one day Heinz Ward is a wide receivers coach and potentially maybe even more at the University of Georgia. That is a place he has made it known before that he wants to be a coach at, and we will see him, I think, ultimately do that. I just don't think it's next season. I think the move that ultimately I would say, I think we end up seeing you have Todd Munkin move to your wide receivers coach role, a position he has worked with for a long time, developed a lot of really good wide receivers, and has been very comfortable working with that group. And then you promote Buster Faulkner to be your quarterback's coach there. And that, as I mentioned and touched on earlier, I think helps you with Arch Manning there. So let's see. Yep, Michael Porter. Again, YouTube folks, I'm going to have to find a way to upload this, uh, the full show later. Um, we had a little bit of an issue here on restream, but we'll have that fixed going forward. Uh, I did see a question on, uh, Caleb Williams. I don't think Caleb Williams is coming to Georgia. Georgia already has enough drama and whatnot going on in its quarterback room. Uh, let's do maybe one or two more questions here. Um, Woody, it was great seeing you as well on Saturday. Saturday was a lot of fun, uh, specifically at Creature Comfort, a place I love and have spent, Many, many a night's at, but it was great seeing you guys out there. We had a great time. Uh, Saturday was a really cool day. Uh, getting to see everyone, getting to see Georgia fans celebrate, uh, hearing Jamari Sawyer, Jordan Davis, what they had to say. It was a really cool experience and atmosphere for a Georgia program that has waited a long, long time for a day like that. And I don't think it's going to have to wait all that long for a next, next time we see something like that. Uh, let's see. Comments, questions. Yeah, Kathy Aquavia Green. I agree. I think Caleb. I think Caleb is going to. Caleb Williams ultimately going to end up at USC. Let's see. Uh, let's maybe do one more question and get out of here. Um, preferably, actually, let's check the Dog Nation homepage because I do know that we were on there. Uh, Antonio Wilson. I do agree. The offense. The offense has to at least early in the season help carry this Georgia team or not. And carries maybe not the right word. Maybe that's too strong of a word, but it's an offense that's going to need to, to be the better unit for Georgia to start the season this year, because given you lose all that you lose in that front seven, I'm not sure how that gets, you know, you, you can't sustain that. And Kobe Dean can't be as great as he is. And then also be easily, easily replaceable. The same could be said for Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis. So, all right, let's, let's answer some questions from the homepage. 
Um, let's see. And there we go. Uh, David Ho, go dogs from Tallahassee. Jeff Yarbrough, yes. Uh, I do think Darnell Washington stays a dog. I think John Fitzpatrick uh, announcing he is entering the NFL draft, something that happened just before we went on tonight. I do think that that plays a role in Darnell coming back next year, seeing the field more, getting more reps. Uh, because John Fitzpatrick, you know, while he didn't have necessarily the recruiting ranking that, say, Darnell did, there was a lot of overlap there in skill set in terms of what they were able to do and the role that they played. So if with John Fitzpatrick moving on to the NFL now, I think that opens up even more opportunities for Darnell Washington. But as I've said before, and I understand why, because people look at recruiting rankings and they factor that into their project- projections, why people say you want to get the ball more to Darnell Washington you shouldn't take targets away from Brock Bowers or other super talented tight end to give them to Darnell Washington. That doesn't make sense to me. Brock Bowers is a better receiver than we ever dreamed of Darnell Washington being. And so because of that, you know, like for example, I, and I, you know, yes, he had a red zone touchdown against Alabama. Darnell did, but last play of the game for Georgia's offense, the Brock Bowers touchdown, I don't think Darnell Washington makes that athletic play and out, outruns Henry Toto and gets into the end zone. Darnell's a fantastic player, and I think he's going to have a bigger role in this offense next season. But at the same point in time, he's not in the same galaxy that Brock Bowers is in terms of talent. So, Cade, uh, I touched on Arik Gilbert earlier tonight. Same with Adam Anderson. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. That does it there. We'll see if we can get one more good question here because that'll get us to 40 minutes. Uh, Dwayne G. So yeah, well, this is a fitting, you know, for this show, uh, Dominic Blaylock, a guy who made it back onto the field this year, didn't have a whole lot of impact in the playoffs, but I think is a guy who next year is going to take on a bigger role in this offense as he gets healthier from a knee and a hamstring injury that really slowed him during this year. I think if he's able to get back to 110% being farther removed from those ACL injuries, two full years by the time Georgia opens the year against Oregon, I do think that Blaylock is a guy who can play a big role for you in this offense going forward. And it's an offense that Georgia is going to need to be better next season, even though it was very good this season. You're going to need guys like Dominic Blaylock and Brandon Adams has touched on this. You know, Brock Bowers didn't finish just shy of 900 yards, 13 touchdowns, absolute weapon. You need him to produce, maybe not the touchdown numbers, that might be tough to replicate, but from a, a, a reception and a yardage number standpoint, you can see him replicating those numbers. Can you get a second guy to do that? And you know, maybe if George Pickens is healthy the whole season, maybe we see him get there, but can Jermaine Burton with a full year, can Adonai Mitchell, Lad McConkey with a full year, do the sort of things to get to that Georgia offense to have not just Brock Bowers as an every down weapon and a guy that teams need to know where he is at all time, but also have another weapon like that. I think Dominic Blaylock could be that guy. And I'm excited to see how he plays in this spring really healthy for the first time that he's going through spring practice in his time at Georgia being healthy enough to do so. That's going to be very important for him and the development within this offense, whoever is coaching him at the wide receivers position. So with that tonight, Dwayne G uh, Cham- Chaz Chambliss, I think Chaz Chambliss is a phenomenal player, but I do think with Nolan Smith and Robert Beal both announcing they're coming back, that does eat into his snap count a little bit for next season. So with that in mind, we're going to wrap it up here tonight. One forty minutes. Uh, apologies again to the YouTube crew. We did not realize in time that we were unlisted and not fully public, but we'll make sure we get up this video in full there for you. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday night. Not quite sure on the time yet. We might be more flexible going forward, but thanks everyone for hopping on. 
Uh, Jeff's Intel tomorrow night before the Hedges. I imagine we're going to do a cover four on Thursday. Obviously, Dog Nation Daily every Monday through Friday, and then Mike Griffith on the Beats on Mondays. We've made it through the season. Georgia is national champions, and there's still going to be a ton of news and notes to follow with Georgia when it comes to both on-field, the roster news, recruiting. Obviously, you know, coaches out in Texas today. I think that's not a coincidence as they sort of try and cover the country and scour this country for as many elite players as they can find. So we'll see how that goes going forward. Thanks again so much for everyone for tuning in. My name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor and Coverage. <laughs>